Hello, and welcome to another episode of Chatter, a podcast from The Gist, with me, Josh Hamilton. Our guest on today's show was Katie McQuillan, a photographer and videographer from Northern Ireland whose work has been chosen by the World Health Organization to front their entire worldwide coronavirus campaign. Katie is also a former classmate of mine, so it was a pleasure to catch up and discuss creativity, her development as an artist and a photographer, the Northern Irish identity and the constraints and pressures of being a creative in our social media driven world. If you haven't already and you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and to our mailing list. And don't forget, my book, Brexit, The Establishment Civil War, is now available for pre-order on Amazon. You'll find the link in the description below. So here's Katie McQuillan. Perfect. So, Katie, uh, welcome to the show. Thanks for, for chatting to me. I believe you're probably the first person I've ever talked to on my podcast that I went to school with. Well, like I have this vision in my head of, of in 10 to 15 years time, you know, you'd be, I'd be able to sit down and just talk to all my successful friends that went to school. Because <laughs> that's what it seems to be like watching anyone who's got anywhere in a creative industry and you're watching them and they're like, oh, yeah, no, I went to school with this person. And, oh, you know, that person that does this. Yeah, no, I was in the same class as them. And I was, I was wondered, was it just these really like creative people that suddenly managed to have loads of really successful friends or whether it was just that you know your friends became people who were successful enough to get to interviews uh, so you have been chosen to have your photograph used by the world health organization why don't you tell me how on earth you got your photo accepted by them like how you submitted it and, and why as you know at the beginning especially there was a lot of fake news going around um and they wanted some clear visuals that helped um, show that quickly and for, for anyone around the world to be able to use those um, visuals whenever they need to like explain. Um, so I work at Entropic, a company in London uh, who do production and post-production and a lot of there's a lot of artists in the company um, and we all just decided to submit kind of a few images um, and it was kind of our way as a company and as artists to um, try and help <laughs> somehow uh, or input you know using our skills so that's why um I submitted that photo and kind of how I guess it got seen well no that's super cool I I, I was so shocked when I saw it like I, I I can't I can't get over over how mad it is that your your photo is being used like worldwide I, I it's, <laughs> Uh, but you you said something there about about using the bare minimum stuff. Like, how much do you feel using like as few tools as possible, or being forced to use only like bare minimum like props makes you more creative? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, I think um, especially I'm early early career, so a lot of the time I'm dealing with low budgets and you know lack of resources. So problem solving when you're trying to create something, you know, what you have in your head is like amazing and costs way too much money. And you have to work out, oh, how can I make this with what I have? Um, so yeah, that's, that's a huge part of the process. And I think quite a fun part. Um, for that, I literally went around my house and just got everything I thought looked nice <laughs> and was nice colors. And then I sort of, you know, put it all together and worked out what setup I like best. So yeah, it's always, you always have to just deal with, with what you have to tell a story or make a photo, you know, using what you got. 
you've made it sound like the stuff that you managed to find around your, find around your house was was really bad <laughs> and just like thrown together. It's like, oh, I didn't really care. And then you ended up winning the competition. <laughs> no, uh, uh, well, it was well, like that photo is literally kitchen tiles, a mirror and paper tiles and my hands wearing these awful long nails and lots of fake tan. <laughs> well, well, I, I'm not going to mention about the quality. You had a fake tan. <laughs> I know. Let's not talk about that. I still no. have. <laughs> so, where was the uh, where was like the moment that you realized that photography or um, videography was something that you really wanted to to do, or it was something that you enjoyed beyond just say like posting some videos on on social media? Um. Yeah. So I think I was around. I was sixteen. And uh, I was always really drawn to creative work, but I never thought I was creative. I was just like, I'm not good enough for that. And I was really into my hockey and sport. And I just thought I was like a sports person. I don't do sport anymore, which is bad, (laughs) but I did in school. And uh, yeah, I just completely discounted myself as creative. Um, And then I heard about this app, Instagram, which was everyone was getting. And I thought, oh, dad can I use your iPhone so I didn't have one to download Instagram and like have a go with it so I got on his phone and just like loved the idea of being able to take a photo and then add a filter and you know add a bit of blur and just the creative control of it really sparked something in me um and I found myself literally using his phone all the time just taking photos and running around making wee videos with the with the app um and from that point I decided okay I'm gonna get a camera like I'm really interested in this so I saved up I worked in the Clodden uh banqueting and a little restaurant called Iona in Hollywood I don't know if you know and I don't no it's not there anymore it's that time but um yeah so kind of saved up my money along with my 18th birthday money and bought a camera and I learned how to edit using iMovie with um, YouTube tutorials and just found myself spending hours and hours like by myself shooting stuff and learning how to do things. And I didn't realize at the time that was like creative flow, like just being completely immersed in it. Um, so that's kind of the point where I realized, whoa, I really like this. <laughs> and I should probably keep doing it. Mm. You can, I just, I looked up there, you can claim to have been one of like the earliest adopters of Instagram because it was released in October 2010, oh, like yeah. um, when we would have been starting, ooh, would that have been sixth, lower sixth? Lower so th- you, we would have been 16, so you literally were like in there in the first months, so congratulations for <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> <laughs> Was there was there someone who who inspired you to to then like move beyond just doing it for fun and then like realize it could be a career for you or was it just something you did yourself? Yeah, um, I think a mix. Like I was kind of, I think I've had a lot of um, in Northern Ireland. You know, I didn't know many people that did this as a job full time and um, directing and photography. I knew a few people, but it was mostly wedding. Uh, directing and videography and I was like oh I don't know if I really want to do that all the time so I'm not sure what what there is out there for me 
Um, so I went and studied communications, advertising and marketing at Jordanstown. And uh, there was one video module there in my, in my, what do you call it, in the year, first year. And I spent all my time on that module and ignored the other ones. And then like skip class to skip my other classes to go make videos for businesses and like wedding videos and stuff. And it just kind of got to a point where I was like, I actually have to pursue this because I'm going to screw up my university degree if I don't do something. Um, so I moved course onto animation, 3D animation at the Belfast campus. And I met a lot of, um, there was a real camaraderie there with my class and creatives. And I think being a part of that encouraged me like, okay, maybe I can, you know, people here, you know, teachers and lecturers have worked in this career path and it's out there. So it just kind of opened my eyes to more opportunities. And that was part of it for sure. Was there a lot of cra- uh, collaboration going on at that point? Or was it just, say, like you go away and work on something and like all the individual students do that as well and then come back and give each other feedback? Or were you working on things like with each other like simultaneously? Yeah, so the course is like super collab- collaborative, which I didn't really like at the start because I was so used to just doing stuff by myself. And now, you know, what I do every day, it's unbelievably collaborative and I love that now. Um, but at the time, it is a really hard thing to learn initially because um, especially if you're super keen and you're maybe working with someone who doesn't really care as much. Um, but there's also people in your class who absolutely love it. So um, that was good. Um, but yeah, it's very collaborative, of course. So you go into a team and everyone has like separate roles and there's um, director, like it's set up like a proper, it's effects and animation. So it's kind of a bit different to live action, but um, it helped me learn how to be a good collaborator. <laughs> well, that's important. Yeah, it's true. What did you find that you, was there, was there like a project that you suddenly realized that like, okay, maybe collaboration can work for me. I'm not just a control freak because I know I have the same problem. Honestly, <laughs> yeah. I, I, I'm horrible at collaborating with people. I've tried it on so many occasions with, with people that I know I should get on with really well. And we just come up yeah. with nothing. Like I, <laughs> I know, I feel you. I still struggle with the control freak uh, vibes, but um. I think actually the one I, I always like was enjoyed being part of teams throughout uni, but I definitely would always, because I wanted to go into directing, be a lot about, you know, oh, it should look like this or be very involved in the kind of direction of it all. Um, so I think my most, like, I guess the team that I was like, oh my goodness, this has been so fun to work with these creatives was on um, A to Z. Whenever I shot that uh, last last year, my goodness, might have been year before now. And uh, yeah, the team was just like young uh, filmmakers in shot in Belfast, and everyone cared about the vision. Like everyone wanted to make a story about home and something quite weird and fun. And it was a three day shoot, no money, and uh, we were in like cars. Um, and at Ashley's house, Ashley's a producer, so we were, our base was in West Belfast. And, uh, it was just awesome and amazing collaborative environment. And I always now aim at my shoots, hopefully feel more like that. But yeah. <laughs> 
where where did the idea from the for the A to Z video come from? I really like I I watched it when you first put it out. Yeah. And I'd kind of forgotten about it. And then I went and watched it yesterday or, or the day before when I was preparing the questions and I laughed so much. Oh, it's, 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 there's, I don't know what it is. It gives you like this real feeling of, I don't even, I don't know if you would call it pride or like national, like patriotism, because I don't, I don't even know if any of the things that like, or the words would be like described as a good thing or like endearing. Yeah. But Yeah. <laughs> I know what you mean. <laughs> Thank you, though. Um, yeah, so that idea came from, I, when I first moved back over to London uh, a couple of years ago now, um, I didn't really have any friends from home here, except my boyfriend, obviously, and, uh, Donaha Green, I knew Donaha from school, so he was here, and a few other people from school, but I hadn't met anyone in my workplace, you know, that was from home. Um, until I went back, I was working at a company called The Mill and I went back there and girl who sat beside me in my new job, I moved within jobs within the company and the girl who sat beside me in my new role was from home. And I was like, this completely blew my mind. And she's called Joe Guthrie and we're super good friends now. Um, but as soon as we, you know, started seeing each other every day, obviously sitting beside each other, we just started talking faster people needed like translators and they're around us and we we're using all these words having to like constantly explain to our our work friends what we were saying um so i just like really i felt so happy and free to be able to you talk and um yeah i just realized how like unique and strange and kind of interesting it is about our culture um and it was something i just wanted to celebrate in a film um, and it also made me think about like um, Northern Ireland, you know, our identity is so such a, a big thing for us. And we don't really have like a distinct, this is us. It's always kind of, you know, a bit muddled in some ways. Mm. Um, and so I like the fact that you can go to any part of the North of Ireland and use those words and people will know what you're saying. Like it kind of unites us in a weird way. So I quite like that aspect too. There's quite a few words in there that I was watching. I showed it to my, my housemate yesterday. Yeah. And she was laughing because some of them she didn't even realize were like Northern Irelandisms. Oh, um, really? Yeah. I, I don't know. I found that I find like I had a similar experience with you when I was in um, Austria there because a friend of mine came out to, to help work on the mountain. And anytime yeah. we were talking, people would be like not able to understand what we were saying. Yeah compared to when we were talking to them individually and just talking slower and knowing that there's words you just can't use. I know. It is. It's so funny. Like, you just adapt. Like, I even my name, Katie, everyone thinks I'm called Katie. So I have... To, I know they just don't understand when I say Katie, so I have to say it's so embarrassing. I have to say it in an English accent sometimes. Well, like, <laughs> Kate, Katie. Katie. Like, oh, yeah. wow. I know. I know. But no one understands me if we don't, so. I actually know a Dutch girl called Kitty who people think is called Kitty. <laughs> Reverse problems, wow. Yeah. So, like, you, you mentioned there about Northern Ireland, in a way, kind of being muddled and, and mixed and, and not always having a specific, I don't know, culture or overarching culture. But 
like personally i kind of feel that's that's changing in a way in the last i don't know it's, it feels five years or so you've had shows like mrs brown's boys which i fucking despise but um, <laughs> it's it's on tv yeah. and um shows like better shows like dairy girls yeah that have kind of pushed northern irish culture as a uh, as a thing into like the mainstream uk yeah do you yeah. think that's because of like a whole generation of people coming out of the troubles and now expressing what they believe to be like northern irish culture is it like a generation of kids like coming out of the troubles and being the first people to think and have the opportunity to go into the wider UK and go like, you know, this is us, this is Northern Ireland. We're we're not about like just blowing people up anymore. Or do you think it's sort of technology breaking down like geographical barriers and meaning that cultures that would have seemed so far away from us before have, have now be- like felt a lot closer? Yeah, or- interesting. Yeah, I think like... um I think it's the first, um, personally. I think people from home, you know, so many, I think TV and film has such an impact on our culture, obviously. Um, and it kind of informs us about the world. And that's the power in it is amazing. Um, and I think a lot of our stories that were told, you know, how many films have been made about troubles. And, you know, it's kind of just like, oh, yeah, you, you had that there. And, I remember feeling so frustrated, you know, looking up, seeing online um, and some platforms like Vice. And if you look on Vice's website, hopefully they change now. But certainly whenever I was in uh, uni, I just felt very frustrated because every single article posted about here, even if it was about the younger generation, was about, you know, post-conflict, like um, troubles. And just kind of also I felt like, it wasn't, I felt like we should be telling that story now and like the generation coming through should be sharing our view. Um, yeah, about that kind of thing. And I think I find a real, I feel a real frustration with that. Um, and my final year film actually was called We're Belfast and it was about like, uh, the post conflict generation kind of starting a new phase of creativity and like, um, just kind of highlighting a few people who are pioneering creative arts in different ways at home um, and, you know, how they, they feel about Belfast and Northern Ireland like being put on the map and stuff. So I'm really interested in that and I think I feel a real duty and inspiration um, and love for home that I always want to tell stories that are about or based within home that are, you know, my experience or my, a collective side kind of fresh perspective on it. Um, so I hope... You know, I know a few creatives that I know feel the same way. So I hope it's the first one that people just feel so compelled to like share our story. That's me. Oh, that'd be so. That uh, that's a really nice way of thinking about it. Actually, do you think that previous to our generation, the reason that there hadn't been as much comment from people in Northern Ireland or like explanation of of our culture into the rest of the UK? Because we kind of felt, oh, they don't get it. They never will. Because it was literally just the troubles and religion and... and, and Yeah, yeah. And not... like, our, like our parents. Isn't it? Yeah. Whereas now I feel like we've got more to kind of celebrate in a way or, or discuss or just more to show off. Mm, I know what you mean. I think also, like, they lived through it. 
like they literally were in, you know, I feel like we can, it's so difficult for us to actually, like I get frustrated about our lack of identity as a country, but like I didn't live through the troubles. Like I was born in 1994 and, you know, the year of the peace agreement. So, um, and like my mom and dad, for example, my dad, um, literally lived on the Glen Road, like right beside barracks. So he would never have had the opportunities to get, and my mum lived in Marne, so they never would have had the opportunities to like learn the skills to be able to share these stories. You know, there was probably a real pause, kind of like lockdown in a way on culture and learning and education. So um it's, I feel it frustrated, but also like it must have been so difficult for them to like get through that and be able to create and have the resources to create and tell a story as well so no wonder other people have kind of come in and covered our (laughs) covered our stories in a way but also like I feel you I don't know it's so difficult it's like I feel like it it wasn't that long ago like it's 30 years you know well no it wasn't I remember coming back from from having lived in England for a few years and there was like a huge bomb scare at Down Royal when we'd gone to to see some um, summer racing or something with family members. And so like, it's like the, the memory of things like that happening is still like there, or there was yeah, you know, yeah, bo- yeah. like the odd bomb scare in Belfast or along the dual carriageway to Bangor or like suspicious objects left somewhere like, I don't know, one incident every six months, but that's like the closest we got to it. And For sure. I, one of my mom's friends commented the other day about how, the middle of Belfast for a couple of months there after nine o'clock was like during the troubles, there was just no one on the street. And, and, and it's such a mad thought that that was like that for like 20 years. You know how we're all bitching about queuing up to go into the, the shop like it's the worst like I, I feel like like the most oppressed person in the world so I'm like I can't believe I have to stand here and wait for five minutes to go and get my shopping that's been shipped from all around the world into this little supermarket just down the road from me I, I feel so spoiled but but like imagine having to wait and get surged before you went into every shop yeah it's crazy I know same as you like my parents were sharing some stories over lockdown like this is how it used to be and you're like what here like i i just can't believe it we got such like a vibrant nightlife here now it's difficult to imagine and i know it really is i think you kind of forget that that everyone of that generation who lived in northern ireland has like stories about the troubles that for sure we like would just seem crazy to us i remember talking to a, a friend of of my family like a few a few years ago and he told me that he was in the Abercorn on stage when the fucking bomb went off. And I was like, what? Oh like, I had no idea you were nearly killed in an IRA bomb in the 70s. And he was just like, yeah. Like, it was like, yeah, no, I remember, like, waking up on the ground covered in soot. And I was like, what? That is actually insane. Yeah. It's crazy. But yeah, I think I think we do. Maybe then that's why we have a duty to tell the story stories because our the generations before couldn't anyway i I like the way you've put that we have a duty to tell the stories so (laughs) why london you finished your course um in jordanstown or in in belfast campus doing animation and then did you why london why not stay and tell the stories that you know we have the duty (laughs) to tell 
<laughs> I was really contradicting myself massively. Uh, no, um, so I came over to London, got a full-time job here, which is awesome. And um, basically, as I said before, there wasn't as many roles in I wanted to be, you know, a full-time commercials director slash art director. And there's not really as many roles for that at home. There's a lot of agencies, like brilliant agencies, um, that is a kind of a different part of the process. Um, and I wanted to be in the production part, the making and the actual creation of the film from ideation to finish. Um, so here, you know, there's just more opportunities to get involved in that. And um, at the minute, like hopefully um, Belfast and, you know, the North of Ireland will have more opportunities in the future, grow in that way in that industry. Maybe I'll go back and try and grow it. <laughs> but um, yeah, so that's why I had to be here to kind of get, get that my foot in the door in that way but I definitely will move home um at some point you know um and I'm also still shooting a lot at home so I have a shoot there in August and I work with a lot of Northern Irish creatives um and so it doesn't feel like I'm just in London like I'm very much in both places um so yeah so what are you working on at the moment anything interesting uh yeah so because i haven't been able to shoot i've just been trying to prepare all of my um shoots as much as possible before you know during lockdown so i have a shoot on july 13th hopefully <laughs> that is a short film uh that i'm really excited about and i have uh it's great shooting over here i've got a really great crew um together and really excited it's got a huge chase scene in it so that's gonna be fun um, and then I've also got a music video that I'm shooting in Belfast um, with Rebecca Fitch, who's an artist from home. She's brilliant. Um, if you haven't heard her music, you should check it out. Um, and yeah, it's another, yeah, really exciting. It's kind of like a short film in itself as well. Um, so we're pretty stoked about that. So there are two things I'm kind of focusing on right now. Okay, that sounds cool. I definitely know the name Rebecca Fitch. I can't like picture one of her songs or or, or think of what it what it could be, but I definitely know the name. Uh, do you have like a piece favorite like piece of content, artwork, video that you've created? Is there something like you're really proud of? Like if you had to put like one thing on your wall forever, what forever. would it be? Um. Oh my goodness. I don't know. Like I think it's. I don't want to be like negative, but I feel like. I, <laughs> maybe I'm too critical, I don't know, but I feel like I have something in me that I haven't made yet, okay. and I'm aspiring to make something and be like, this is it, I love it, this is amazing, this is me, whatever. But that hasn't fully happened yet, but will it ever happen? Who knows? It's all a process, really. I mean, it would be kind um, of depressing to believe you'd peaked at 26. <laughs> this is true. <laughs> Uh, but I think like for the memes, um, A to Z is, you know, my most little, I just love that shoot so much and the team is brilliant. And also it was such a like positive reaction from a lot of people who related to it. So that's always great. Um, yeah. What sort of effect do you think technology has had on, on trying, on A, being a, a creator of, of your ilk? and be in trying to get noticed because obviously as say a filmmaker 
production costs compared to like 20 years ago have gone through the floor. Okay, you still want to buy like a good camera or and you're going to maybe want to have a good laptop to edit on, but you can produce like super like super high quality film with just that. You don't need like a studio, you don't need to hire loads of people, like you can be super independent and make amazing stuff. Yeah. But at the same time, you're competing with everyone in the world who has access to an internet connection and the same things that you do. Like, do you think it's more or, or less difficult to get yourself noticed because because of technology or does it let you or does it make you be more creative to stand out amongst all those millions of other people? Yeah, I think there's kind of like two strands to that. Like the first is, you know, you can make whatever you you can make whatever you want in your room. There's always a way. So regardless of the budget, there's a way to collaborate with someone or figure out the technology through YouTube uh, tutorials um, and make it happen. And that's amazing. Like the access now, you know, not for everyone, but um, the access to a lot of things is uh, is amazing and brilliant for um, telling the stories you want to tell. But I think the second strand, which I definitely struggle with, and I think a lot of, you know, creatives struggle with this, with the pressures of Instagram and TikTok and the constant, like, need to create and produce work just to remind people that you're there in, like, such a oversaturated Instagram feed um, is can impact working in negative ways. So I think lockdown, especially for me, has been a lot of, sitting back and reflecting and realizing what I actually want to make that's like authentic to me and um what what do I want to say and why do I want to say it because you can just get lost in a flurry of just like creating stuff to post it you know um just to be make you just feel like you need to make stuff all the time and I don't think that's necessarily always good I think you can just be doing a lot of stuff but not really actually doing anything. So um, I think Instagram and TikTok and all of those things are brilliant for getting your work seen, but you want to make sure it's the right work. You know what I mean? <laughs> How much do you feel that pressure to, to constantly create? Because I know it's something that, that some people that I've been, I've been reading on are attempting to get away from. Uh, mm -hmm. For example... A few weeks back, I interviewed uh, Matthew Thompson, who hosts Best of Belfast, which is... Oh, cool. um, Are you? you? Do you know it? It's a podcast, and they just, like, interview loads of Northern Irish celebrities. I only discovered it, like, a few months ago, but it's been, I'm really enjoying, like, working my way through some of the, the interviews. Nice. But he has, like, got rid of his phone. There is no social media for his podcast. Um, everything is done by word of mouth and email for, like, a really specific reason, of a trying to avoid that like n pressure and need to feel like you have to be posting something like you have to be yeah. on and he basically believes that it's more detrimental and time consuming than not having it and for it, sure yeah do you do you feel like you're you're kind of like forced to put stuff out or are you able to like chill out and, and just be like no i'm gonna work on something really good and put out one thing yeah hmm I think I definitely feel the pressure of it, um, especially in the career that I'm in. Um, you always have to, you know, it's important 
to be able to, you don't know when the next job's coming. So people need to know that you're working and that you're um, relevant and that you're um, able to, you know, meet certain clients' needs that they maybe have on their books at the minute. So it's important for me to do that in terms of commercials. But in terms of what I absolutely love doing and want to get, you know, I want to be able to make films that are um, rich and uh, have depth and that takes time. And I think um, <clears throat> social media puts time pressure on everything because you feel like, oh, no, if I don't, you know, let the world see this right now, they're not going to look at it. You know, I need to like get this out. But actually, I think it's a real choice and discipline to wait for the right time to share work. Um, and I completely agree um, with what they're saying at Best of Belfast because like, it can be so, it's, it is so detrimental to creative work and any work, you know, you spend half the time writing a caption or like planning what to share rather than, you know, spending more time on like uh, a bit of space to come up with new ideas and then focus. Yeah, I think I really value creative work that people have put a lot of time and research and, um, uh, like their themselves into rather than and I think social media is making it more difficult for people to do that it's more of a distraction mm. yeah I kind of have to agree at this point I've, I've got rid of all social media from my phone um, wow. and I haven't been on really on like Twitter or Facebook for, for quite a few quite a while um, never use Instagram on my desktop um, I'm basically like cutting it all down. Everything is automated. So whenever we post anything from like my side yeah. about the podcast, it's like all automated. I don't have to do anything, <laughs> which may yeah. seem really lazy, but like the idea is I don't want to touch those sites if I don't have to. Um, and it's like a planning web, there's planning things mm. like who's doing it. Oh, nice. So I like it, it. All I have to do is post like the thing on like the podcast and then everything else goes out in the cell by itself. Yeah. Um, have you found since you've started doing that more like clear in your mind I, or has I feel like I have so much fucking time like, really <laughs> wow like I got uh, basically quarantine has been like amazing for me it, yeah. it's I've read so many books and just like cut out so much stuff like technologically wise that I haven't needed and I feel yeah. like I'm I'm doing like spending less time trying to create, but do like cr like producing way more. So I, yeah. I I got I gotta say it's it's been great. That's so good. You've read a lot of books, fair. Yeah, I appreciate. That. Like what <laughs> I would watch the the TED talk from Matthew Thompson um on be uh, from Best of Belfast because he he talks about how he just got rid of his smartphone altogether, and it's really oh. really like kind of inspiring. I feel that. I also get a lot of inspiration, though, from other, like, Instagram mainly, you know, just so many. No, I do, I do, there's obviously, like, a flip side to it, especially yeah. if you're someone who's working, like, exclusively in, like, a visual medium. Yeah, it's great. And for opportunities as well, you see a lot of opportunities on there, but, yeah, it's so, it's a hate-love relationship. But um, I'm very aware that you probably have to go. You've got a thing at 11 and um, it's, I will make sure you have enough time to prepare for that. <laughs> oh, thank you. I didn't even realize the time. I was enjoying it. Yeah, that, that happens. <laughs> um, 
that's all right. Uh, it was an absolute pleasure. Um, thanks so much for for chatting. That was that was great. Um, thank, you. thank you for having me. It was brilliant. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe on Facebook, Twitter, to our email list, or wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, thanks for listening.